This is the Collaboration Dynamics Podcast, helping you work together better with Judy Reese, X-ray listener, best-selling author, international virtual collaboration trainer, and master of metaphor. Hear more at xraylistening.com. Welcome to the Collaboration Dynamics podcast. With me today is Eve Hanoul. Hello, Eve. Hello. Great to have you here. Um, I'm very excited to have you on board because you've been recommended um, by a couple of my students who I know have worked with you in the past. Um, but would you like to introduce yourself and say the kind of things that you've done in terms of collaboration? So my name is Yves Hanul and I'm working, uh, I, these days I call myself a creative collaboration agent. And uh, most of the time, well, that's that's a name that uh, I like to, to differentiate, differentiate myself with. Uh, I do a lot of agile coaching these days, uh, but next to that, I also do a lot of community things. So I've created a few books uh, and articles that I've done uh, in a collaborative way, basically over the internet. So people all do it, uh, from their own home or for wherever they want to do it. Um, and, and I like doing that. I like bringing communities together and creating things. Usually it, it starts by me having some kind of problem that I try to look for a solution. And then I realize, oh, but there might be other people who have the same problem. So I just share whatever I have. And I ask more people if they want to join in and help solve the problem and help uh, the, the, even everybody else at the same time. Um, and that's how, how I got started a few projects uh, in, in the last years. Oh, that's so interesting. Before I ask you about that, let me ask you the question that I ask everyone who comes on the Collaboration Dynamics podcast. When you are collaborating at your best, you are like what? Um, I think at some points I, I might be even uh, tired. Uh, what I've realized is that when, uh, when I'm tired, I might, um, there is less uh, filters and there's less things and I uh, feel that I react much more from my gut feeling and uh, then it can go in both directions and it could be either really good or really bad. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's not that I should say I will always not sleep and then I'm always at my best, that's, that's not it. But what I've noticed in some of the moments that I was really good in, in interactions that, um, yeah, there was a limit of, of boundary that was not there and, and I just ask for help a lot more and uh, and then a lot more more happens so mm. that's how i feel uh, are some of my good moments mm. so there's that limited boundary that's not there and then you ask for help a lot more say more about that what how does that well, work one, one of the things i've learned along the way is that um that most people uh, don't ask enough for help and um yeah, I'm not going to go into details now, but at, at, at about 1920, I learned really asking for help. Before that, uh, I wasn't really good at asking for help, but then something happened that, that really made me ask for help because basically I had no choice. 
Um, but that was at that time, I did it really when I was in trouble and I needed people to help me. But what I've learned over the, in the last 20 years since then is that actually asking for help when I think everything is okay and when I think I have everything under control is actually even more powerful. And that's what something that we don't, well, I, I didn't do before at least. I thought, oh, I need to be smart and I need to be, uh, yeah, I need to, to be able to do everything on my own because somehow it's, uh, I was, I, I learned or I picked up along the way that asking for help is a sign of, of weakness and I shouldn't, uh, shouldn't do that too much. But what I learned the, the last 20 years is actually more the opposite is that, um, the people who get most done is they, they, they ask for help a lot more. And, um, and still I notice that even if I do know that I might not always do that enough. And, uh, when I'm tired, uh, I think slower. So I might not know everything I, I need to know. And I might be much quicker asking for help. There's also less boundaries in the sense that, Oh, I should not ask this or that person. What will he think? Then I will just blurt out and, and ask for help. And yeah, sometimes people filter me out and say, well, sorry, I'm not going to help. And in most other cases, they, they really want to help because that's how people are. People want to help out. Mm-hmm. And when I ask for multiple people for help, I am always surprised about the ideas that people have uh, that I didn't have. So even if I would be fully awake and would ha- use all of my brains, well, that would still not give the same results as asking so many other people for help. Mm. So th- even though you've learned all of that, even though you've had all that experience of asking for help, it's not when you're at your... Uh, most awake that you ask for the most help it's actually when you're tired um yeah well i see of course a lot of the collaboration i do is when i'm at home in the evening which i'm uh, of course also more tired from from a day of work mm-hmm. um so it, it's just also in, in timing um but i think so that yes uh, even if after everything i've learned well the the first 20 years are really teaching people a lot and there's a lot of things that we how would i say it are are some kind of muscle memory that we don't do that enough and even with everything i know it still is sometimes oh i should ask or i should will i do this and i just have a lot less that in in the evening Mm -hmm. so to sort of pick up that theme of their their less boundaries less filters when it's like that you are like what? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, it's a, it's a hard. I, I'm tempting to say I'm much more like a child, but I don't think that's the truth. Um, but I cannot come up with with something better. Um, when I'm less boundaries, um, yeah, it, it's the best thing I can come up with right now. It's like I'm, I'm much more looking uh, open f- to the world on what's what's happening around me, and we're we're open for opportunities and for help that I can get. Mm-hmm. So a bit like a child, not really like a child, but open to the world, open to opportunities like that. Yes. 
And is there anything else about how you are when you're like that? You mean when when I'm uh, much when more open? Yeah, or... when you're when you're open like that. Um, I think in a way I'm more relaxed. Um, I am. I'm a person who likes to to. I'm, I'm I like to be busy. I like to do stuff. Uh, and so when I'm tired, I might not have the full adrenaline uh, rushing. And so because of that, I might be much more relaxed, mm -hmm. mm. which which helps as well. Mm. So when you're like that, when you're, you haven't got so much adrenaline and you're, you're open to the world, open for opportunities, a bit like a child, less boundaries, and more willing to ask for help then and you mentioned earlier that um mostly when when you're the the kind of collaborations you've been involved in have started when you've had a problem of your own that you wanted to solve yes say a bit more about that how, how do those two fit together um well let, let, let's give an example um i think it might help here is that the one of the earliest um collaboration things i did is um it's about i think 2007 something like that i um i just switched my whole uh email system to to google to the whole google thing so mm -hmm. google domain so i had a calendar and i i had the options in google to to create extra calendars so i said oh i have one for my my wife or my my child one per child i have one for myself i have one for for a big client or something like that and then i realized oh Actually, I go to a lot of conferences to talk or just to visit. It might be interesting to have a, um, a calendar for just all the interesting conferences. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, when I created that, I just added, I don't know, 10, 10 conferences that I knew that existed. And I thought, oh, that's actually, I usually go there with a lot of other friends. So why don't I share this with friends? And then Google asked me, do you want to share it in a read-only format or do you want to give people full read and write access? And I was like, oh, but these are friends. Let's give them full write access so they can they can actually add other stuff to it. And over the years now, there is, I think it's about 70 to 80 people that uh, I shared this with and are actually filling in uh these calendars and because now they're they, we we split them up in, in three different kind of type of calendars um and i actually don't add uh, any events anymore to these calendars most of my time comes into administration adding people or when i receive an email that somebody deleted something from the calendar i i politely ask are you sure that this is not something that 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 conference doesn't exist anymore or is it just because you you thought it was in your own calendar and you removed it or when somebody like recently had happened somebody added um an appointment to the hairdresser to that public calendar <laughs> so things like that so I, I i'm not busy anymore with adding the stuff by myself just with the administration part um but yes it's maintained by i i i don't know the latest number but i i, I know it's pretty much over 70 and i think we're nearly at 80 people right now who are adding stuff to and it in terms of that the usefulness of that how has that ended up being used 
Um, I know that a few conferences uh, are using it also to look at when are other conferences happening. So for um, organizing their own, they look at what's in there. Um, the, the calendar, the main calendar, Agile uh, conferences calendar, is, uh, is has a public URL. And so I have no idea how many people are using it but it's keep getting published and I keep getting other people that tell me that they've used it before. Uh, the data is actually used in a, in a kind of, uh, forked project where they, they show the, the same conferences, but then with on a location map and stuff like that. So I think it's pretty big. Well, big. It's, it's not 10,000 people, but I think there's, uh, I, I, I think there's still a lot of hundreds of people that are, that are using this one. So. In that sense, it's it's a nice project. Very interesting. And an example of something I also wanted to ask you about specifically, which is a, a collaboration which is not a face-to-face -face collaboration, but a virtual collaboration. Yes. So in this case, um, it, it's a really interesting case because we never have meetings. We never do anything. Um, the work is actually completely independent because you think, Hey, there's a nice conference and I, I've noticed it's not on the calendar. So you can just add it manually and, and we don't need to have any interaction there. Um, I did add at some point, uh, create a mailing list just to have some conversations because some people were asking me, can I add this or can I add that? And then I wasn't always sure. So at some point I said, instead of just me taking all these decisions, I'm, I'm again a bottleneck and maybe it's, it's not just about me. Why don't I create a, a mailing list so that people can have some of those conversations? But it's really very limited. It's, it's, I think it's, one email every week, probably not even. Uh, so it, there is very limited uh, traffic on that mailing list, but it, it's there for when we have some kind of discussions or some kind of things, we can have some discussion. Um, but as I said, there is no meeting. So it, 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 in that sense, it's not really a project because all the tasks are completely independent. Um, but people are doing it and it's, it's, it's completely, uh, it's scalable that way mm -hmm. because people from all over the world can do it. Um, that, that makes it also interesting. It's not just about, well, I'm from, from Europe. Um, so, uh, people thought, oh, this is just European things. No, there's actually a lot of, uh, Americans helping out. Um, so it's, it's really a global thing. There are Asian, um, conferences in there as well. Eastern Europe conferences in there. So it's actually, used all, all over the world. Um, but it's a, a different way. And it learned me a lot of things about remote collaboration because it, it made me realize that in some of the other projects that I'm doing, that there are also no meetings. Um, I'm actually as an agile coach, I don't always like, um, email because I know it's not the best communication tool, but for most of these projects, email is actually the tool that we use to communicate. Mm -hmm. And what it made me realize is that um, in Agile, when they said it, co-location is best and we want people, blah, blah, blah. And I agree, when we put people together, things go a lot easier. Um, but that's really because we have much bigger trust and because it's it's the biggest way of communicating. If we're sitting next to each other, we can look each other in the eye. It, it helps in a lot of things. Um, and yes, when, when people are in another country, it's hard. I know this when I'm, uh, one week 
in, in another country. Even communication with my wife is harder because yes, we were separated and it's not always easy. And still, um, when you have enough trust, it can work in a different way. You just need to find ways on how things work. And one of the things that can help is if the, the jobs or the tasks are completely independent, mm -hmm. then there is no, we, there is no much need to communicate. Well, of course, when, when this person added, uh, the hairdresser, um, thing into the event, yes, then there is some communication. I need to ask, why did you add it? This is, are you sure in, in a polite way and not to, um, not to <laughs> make them feel too much embarrassed. It was actually a really funny situation because, uh, of course, this person removed it immediately. And, and then 10 minutes later, somebody else added it again, which was <laughs> as a kind of joke, I assumed, uh, with the exact same data and everything. So it was really like, it was not somebody else who added to here, his or her hairdressing. No, no, it was the exact same thing. And I really found that very funny. Yeah, very um, so that gave again a, a very nice, um, conversation with, with the three of us in, in email. Um, it, and it's, it's also shows that this kind of jokes you can have in, in, in a virtual team, which always helps to create more trust. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and it was interesting because one of them, the person who added it, I don't remember the exact name, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that I've never met that person. So even there, it's, it's just funny ways how we can have some kind, a little bit of fun with each other without, um, without so much damage, but it's really, yeah, even without knowing each other, we dare to do this kind of fun stuff. So there are so many people who would say, well, that that's impossible. I mean, the people who created Agile were originally saying, oh, it's, you've got to have co-location. You can't do it remotely. And yet we know you can do it remotely. What, what, what's the trick? What is it that's, um, what makes it work? Um, well, there's multiple things. One, when Agile was created in, in 2001, 2002, when, when they created the manifesto and, and, and all the Agile methodologies that were created in the nineties, we didn't have all these tools. We did have the start of the internet, but that's really the start. And mm -hmm. um, so a lot of the tools make it easier. So that's one. But next to that, I, I, in a sense, I agree when you, the best way to work in an agile way is to be co-located. But I look at it from a different point of view because agile should never be a goal. Agile is just a tool to help you. And, uh, sometimes distributed is, is, is the only way to have it. Mm -hmm. I worked with a Belgium Russian team. And the reason why we, we worked with these people from Russia is they were, well, first of all, we didn't find more people in Belgium, but most, more of it. They were really some of the smartest people I've ever worked with. So this was really not about outsourcing for money, saving money and blah, blah, blah. This was really outsourcing to find the brains. So mm -hmm. for me, this is for doing it for the right reasons. And, and then the opposite becomes true. So it's not, um, it, it, it's really, if you want to do distributed, for me, agile is the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the tools and a lot of the things that we do and the, um, both the mindsets, but also a lot of the, the practices are there to help us communicate better, are there to create much more of a team. Um, so one of the things we had, we had build servers on both sides, both on, in Russia and both in Belgium. And, um, 
what I've noticed in developers is that uh, they might not always like to discuss and, and they don't might not always like most people, they don't like feedback. If, if mm -hmm. somebody tells you it's wrong, we, we don't like it. But if a computer tells you that something is wrong, we kind of accepted it more and, and especially developers. Mostly because they know, for example, if a test tells it's it's no longer working, if we've written the test ourselves, and basically we're arguing with ourselves. <laughs> yes. So it's a previous version of us who told us, hey, this you need to check. And then six months later, I forgot about it. Uh, and, and, and I'm just reminded about something that I knew six months ago. Mm -hmm. So that helps. Um, if you now have, have two sides, well, it could be that when something is wrong, I could have written the test or it could be that someone else, a colleague of mine, has written the test. In both cases, it's the same thing. It's a computer telling me, hey, you forgot something. So it makes it easier. But now, um, if I have to test something, so if I receive some some uh, software, a new version that's coming from another country, from another place, Russia or or Romania or I don't know, and another country, and I need to test and, and do some stuff. But if um, if actually my computer is already checking for me all of these things that I knew before, it actually helps the communication. Uh, the Belgium Russian team at some point we had sixteen, and 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 I think now this team has twenty or twenty five thousand tests. That is, doesn't tell me that nothing's wrong. It just tells me that the 20,000 things that worked yesterday are still working today or not. Mm -hmm. And that helps the communication. It can help us focus on what we need to do. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, another thing that I did, especially with that, that Russian team that was really interesting, is that I talked on Skype. Skype was, I think, two years old or something like that. Um, so that was a new technology. We used it. We used it a lot. And so with one of my colleagues in Russia, in the beginning, I talked either over chat or just talking for, for six to eight hours in a day. Mm -hmm. So that is expensive in the sense that uh, I'm, I was not programming. That person was not programming at the time. So it, but we did invest in that because it was helping to create one team. Um, so that helped us to make sure that there was enough trust, that we understood each other. Um, and actually, if you, if you think about that, talking for six straight hours, that was more than the time I was talking at that time with, with my partner. I mean, six hours of talking, not a lot of people do that uh, in, in a one-on-one -on -one situation. Mm -hmm. And even as I say one-on-one, -on -one, but sometimes it was with multiple people in, in the same chat room. Um, but it was about six to eight hours. Of course, this wasn't a full project, not all the time, but it was, there were a few weeks where, where that happened like this because we needed to create connection and we needed to create trust. And when what you're talking about is important enough, people are willing, I mean, for people who are used, sort of younger people who are just completely used to being able to use Skype all the time for video calls with people, the idea that we used to um, just use a chat, a, a text chat, and yet build really close relationships with people seems absurd. But I know because I was doing a similar thing at a similar time that, of course, you could build those relationships. The, the fun part was, is I think that Skype at that time offered already a video, mm -hmm. um, but it didn't work out that well, partially because the um, 
well when we especially when we connected with with three or four people then really the the network wasn't wasn't good enough mm -hmm. um funny part was it was possible to chat with more than three or four people on a video chat it's just that the connection wasn't good these days you have to pay uh to skype if you want to talk with more than three people on, on a video screen but at that time it was still free mm -hmm. um but we we scaled down and even talking and just by 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 voice we didn't always do um that is also partially because of the language um sorry but some of the people from russia they didn't feel at ease in talking as much in english and they preferred chatting Mm -hmm. um, it was some confusion with us because there was at least one person in Russia that in the first six months we never heard talk because he, he felt that he couldn't talk, but he chatted pretty okay in English that at some point we, we even joked that he might not even exist, that it was just an extra <laughs> resource or an extra person that they invented in Russia. Uh, but in the end, he, he came to Belgium, so I know he exists. Um, it was just that he, he felt that he couldn't, and it's true, his English was not as good as the other people from Russia, but his English was more than enough. Mm -hmm. um, he just didn't feel as comfortable doing that. Um, and again, um, chat helped it in, in multiple ways. It's helped him to get confidence to say something. It, it's, it goes a little bit slower. Um, and at the same time, you do have a trace from it, which mm. can also be interesting because we, especially if you have a discussion for half an hour, at some point we, we agree on something and then, okay, what did we agree on? Okay. We need, we, we sometimes need to look back at, at the log to, to realize what we discussed. Um, mm. so that helped as well. So just to backtrack a little bit, you were saying that when you have a distributed team, Agile really helps. Yes. What is it about Agile that helps in that situation? Um, feedback. It, for me, it's mostly feedback. Agile is, is really, um, uh, feedback is a crucial part of, of a lot of the things in, in Agile. And um, yes, we, we would like to respond to change. We like to have feedback in, in multiple ways. And that's really what, what is making it work. Because we work in very small chunks and we send it over to each other. Um, we, we, see, we, we see it if it's, if it's working or if it's not working. Um, we want uh, changing requirements. Why? Because we realize that there's no customer that actually knows what he wants. Even myself, uh, I might not know what I want. And if they, they send me something, I know, oh, that's not it. Now I know better that what I really want. Mm -hmm. um, so with small iterations, small experiments, um, each piece of feedback is presumably less, less frightening. Yes. Um, it's, it's, it work that, that's how it works. Now, um, it's it's also easier in in smaller projects and smaller things i'm now helping a, a pretty large corporation and um they're not used to so they they came from a complete waterfall uh mindset they they don't like feedback and and everything has been put in place in the last let's say 10 years is all to um reduce bad things and they want it to be the first time right and, and stuff like that and so now we start with agile and now we start with um 
with getting much quicker feedback and they really need to adjust to that because they're not used to. Mm-hmm. And um, it reminds me of, of the first uh, guitar players in, in the 50s and the 60s that started to use feedback on their electric guitars. The first time that there was a recording done by the Beatles and Rolling Stones when they recorded uh, guitars with feedback, the record company sent them back the tapes because they said, oh, it's wrong, there is feedback on it. But that's because they didn't understand that this is what uh, they really wanted. And so even there, people in the industry didn't know. Well, they do know. They did know feedback, but they thought it was something bad. Mm-hmm. And now we have these innovative guitarists that try to use it to make nice sounds with it. And, and they didn't understand it. And then that's a little bit the same for me in, in, in corporations. We need to learn to work with feedback. First of all, we need to give feedback in a nicer way, but we also need to learn that, yes, when we do something, we we are not right from the first time. So we need to learn that, hey, yes, we are not right from the first time and we will adjust. And a lot of companies are not ready for that. They, they still think, oh, we're not right from the first time. Who did wrong and what's wrong? No, we know this by design that we will be wrong the first time. That's why we don't want to spend ages trying to figure it out what is exactly right because we know we won't be able to do that if if 80 percent of the things are already right without too much thinking i'm not going to say no thinking Mm -hmm. but without too much thinking we've gained a lot of time okay we lost some time on the 20 percent but we got very quick feedback Mm -hmm. i have an exercise that we've done in for an agile training and that well i'm probably not the only one because i i've learned it somewhere else but we ask people to just stand in one line and the very first part is okay you stand from from length so the tallest at one side and the smallest at the other mm-hmm. side that's pretty easy you get you see that you look at the people around you and you know that you're doing it right then we ask the same thing for the number of years you work at this company you know some of the people so you might know more or less how long they work there and you can we can figure this out and um, and actually, when you then go the line and ask how long do you work, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, there is, in, I've, I've done this last week with 40 people, and I think we had five people who were wrongly situated. There was one person, six years, that was all at the complete end and, and another at, at the other end. So so there's a few people that are wrong, but we checked. So they, they did this, I think, in about two to three minutes, probably less. They, they created the line and then in, in less than half a minute, we checked and we found the people who were wrong and, and we fixed the line. And that's it. That's less than five minutes. If mm-hmm. I would ask people to write papers and to, to make sure that they have the exact perfect line and you only get one chance, it will take them probably 20 minutes before they figure it out. Mm-hmm. Even if they could talk. And this exercise they actually did without talking. So. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's, it's, it's feedback learning, make it, do something, make a mistake, but have enough, um, I don't know, um, time that we win that makes up for the mistakes and then we can correct it along the way. And with that illustration, it, it, I, I think it really gives a, a good feel for why when teams are distributed, working in this, in an agile way with iterations, with feedback, is actually going to work so much better than a waterfall process. Um, you know, in if if you've got everybody together doing routine stuff all in one place, you can just about see waterfall working occasionally. Mm-hmm. If you've got everybody distributed, 
it's just no chance no or you have to do you have to do yeah to make sure that you totally don't make any mistake and you have to to know everything up front and and this very little chance that that happens actually the only even um building houses we've been building houses for what probably at least 2000 years maybe a lot mm -hmm. longer and nobody can build a house within time and within budget well mm -hmm not completely true the ones who can create the house within time and budget are the ones where they create let's say in 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 a part of a city they create 10 the same houses mm -hmm. then they can do this the first one they they need to figure it out a little bit the second one goes already better and by the time they have finished the 10th house they know pretty well how long it will take and how much it will cost mm -hmm. But we don't do that in IT. We hire, there is a lot of people think, oh, we'll just create a new version of this project, but that's not true. The situation, the world has changed so much because that's the reason why we're doing the new project um, that we still end up changing a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And of course, IT is changing so much of the rest of the world as well, um, which is presumably why so many other people are needing to adopt these kinds of approaches to work. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, well, the, the the whole world is changing. It always goes faster, and and in a lot of things. Um, and but on top of that, we are also using our own tools to change our own environment, which is also speeding stuff up. Mm -hmm. And on the subject of speeding stuff up, I just realised the time, and we are over our, our self-imposed uh, limit of half an hour. So we'd better draw this to a close. Um, much as I'm reluctant to do so because it's such an interesting conversation. Um, however, I said half an hour and let, let's stick with that. Um, so if people want to contact you and find out about the kinds of things that you're up to, um, who do you want to hear from, from and uh, how should they contact you? Um, I'm, I'm interested in, in hearing a lot of things. Let, let's start with the contacting before I forget it. it. The best way to contact me is on Twitter. So that's if, so that's at if Hanul in, in one word. Uh, and assume you can probably add mm -hmm. a, a link that somewhere in, in, with the podcast. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one of the projects that I've started, um, a few months ago is I'm actually writing a book, uh, about hiring people. Uh, it's not about uh, the whole process of finding people, but it's really about selecting the people. Mm -hmm. And um, we, there's actually a lot of agile coaches who who are involved, uh, as I am, in selecting people for teams. And so I, and, and at some point, one of my ex clients called me back and said, "Well, you had a list with some questions and some ideas on how to ask." Could you share this with me? And, I, and once I hear this, I, it's like, oh, share it with one person. Why don't I share it with the rest of the world? So I created a, a Google Doc. I added the, the, the things in there. I, I shared it with that person. And also had asked, well, could you add the, the things that you would do? And before we knew it, we had, um, again, more than 30 people helping out. So... Um, it, it's on Google Doc because it's the easiest version right now or easiest way to share it. It will probably move to LeanPub in, in the coming months. Uh, but right now, uh, we still have some chapters that needs to be edited. And so we're looking, I'm actually actively looking for people who have some interest in, in finding people or selecting people. 
uh, but also have some techniques that are, let's say, more unusual. Because uh, sometimes, well, I know that asking questions is not the, the best way to do it. Sometimes it's much better to ask people to do some kind of work and, and to, to find out by doing some kind of work how, how good they are. And there are some other exercises that are in, in the book. Uh, so there might be people, I'm pretty sure that uh, most professional people at some point were um, helping out with selecting people. So I'm interested to see who has uh, interesting and crazy ideas to add to the book. Mm, that sounds exciting. I I'm looking forward to reading it already. <laughs> I will share it with you in uh, immediately after our talk. Great. Thank you. Um, so... With all of that, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I know people will have learned loads and loads from listening to this conversation. And uh, best of luck with the book and best of luck with all your other collaborations, because I know there are many. Thank you. It was, uh, again, wonderful to do this. So thank you very much. Thank you.